Hello, I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Happy haunted holiday, holiday, holiday. Oh, man. I don't know. I. No, I'm not. I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> it, it gets more beautiful every time. It oh, should. man. Yeah, that's that's like that beats Whamageddon. And so Mariah Carey's got nothing on you, man. No. no, I am telling you, I am taking over the holiday carols. That's what's going to happen yeah. here. That's my plan. Yeah. Hashtag life goals. Hashtag everything else. So um, this is kind of exciting, though, because one, we have the amazing Bo, who is joining us for this. For mm. a very specific. Are you going to say greetings, travelers, into your haunted holidays? Because I want to hear it. Greetings, travelers. Yeah, that was nice. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but this is a double whammy or triple whammy listener request episode. Yeah. So you um all reached out to us, which we love. Continue to do that. You can do that on the website, on our Facebooks, or I mean, on our social media, or. On the Facebooks, listen to me. God, I sound old. Or you can reach out to Mark at erietravels.com because he would love to get your listener tales or info at erietravels.com. And you can send it to both so Mark can stop trying to look at them in advance. But this is you requested our ghost stories. And this is the haunted holidays. So we thought we would share some more of our ghost stories. Yep. And we've done these before and we keep just chiseling away at the iceberg and we keep going a little deeper in and telling stories but because so many of you asked about since Bo joined us wanted to know Bo's background at the paranormal and the the supernatural so we thought we'd bring them on for this episode and uh we're we're all excited to hear their tales because I don't know any of Bo's tales I hope they're good since you've kind of hyped them up a little bit well I mean Every story is a good story to somebody. So um, that was not helpful. Whatever that he was, he didn't that guarantee was, it was going to be fun out, to him. Much, <laughs> it came out much worse than I intended it. To. Yeah, like I, the, the way wow. you just said that was like it sounds yeah, dumb, it's crap. But it's still better than someone nothing. might think you're cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I felt like just happened there. That was ridiculous. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll just I'll just be quiet the rest of the episode. No, Sorry. you can't, Mark. Now because we you did it. that, you we have to go it. first with one of yes. yours because you just oh, okay. kind of. I see how we're thing. doing this. I see how. Yeah. We're doing this. Did you like that? We drew straws. We just didn't give you a straw. All <laughs> right. So now that we've been discussing more and more ghosts and more and more monsters and things like that. This is for the holidays. So I saved this one for around now. And this goes back to the blizzard of 77 for oh, anybody wow. who was ever that old. Uh, I was six. So that tells you how old I am when this happened. We lived in Ohio and we were in lake effect snow and the drifts were as high as the top of our house. I remember my dad opening the door and literally just seeing snow as high as so we could go. A, some of our listeners might not know what a snow drift is. Because there yeah. are places that do not get snow like that and do not get snow, period. So yeah, yeah. So so snowfall, you you know, you get it. And then if there's accumulation, it'll start going. That's why I say we have four feet of snow, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's four feet deep. Because accumulation doesn't always stack that. You you know, it's like when we get a ton of rain, it goes away. It washes away. And some of this, when the ground's not very cold, the snow doesn't accumulate very much. But during this blizzard that came, imagine a hurricane of snow, basically. It just was pouring snow on snow on snow. And then what we call lake effect, there's the Great Lakes up in the north part of the U.S., and if you're even within 100 miles of it, the winds coming off of that blows that snow up against solid things like houses and schools and buildings and all that. And so the snow where it's only four or eight feet of snow, maybe, which eight feet of snow is pretty crazy, 
but imagine that blowing up even higher. So since it's blowing against your house, it's literally flowing over the top of your house. So you get, you know, it could be 12 to 20 feet tall to get out of your house. And it's just crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And then, the, you know, the street workers, the emergency workers get out there, try to repair the power. They try to bulldoze the streets. They don't necessarily go to your house and dig you out. So that's, you have to get yourself out of these houses. And, you know, you light fires, powers out. This is before cable TV, so you weren't really missing anything anyway. So you, most of us had a few books in the house to keep ourselves occupied. Me, I was a six-year-old kid, and I had not learned of Star Wars figures yet, but I had my brother's G.I. Joes, which were the old 12-inch G.I. Joes back when they were cool. And I was playing with the G.I. Joes, and my brother... I'm sorry. And my dad were out trying to dig to the road so they could see if the road was clear. That's how much trouble. So they opened the front door, got shovels from the garage and just started digging their way to their yard and just making a big snow igloo tunnel, basically. And it was falling in on them all the time. But they were just digging, digging, digging. And six year old me got to watch it. So. And uh, Boston by the warm fire playing with my G.I. Joes. Now, at one point, I'm playing with my G.I. Joes. The fire is going. My mom and my grandmother are in the kitchen trying to cook on our gas stove. to okay. make because So we were surviving, even though there was no power and all this. And we were the house was warm. So I don't remember ever being in danger or anything. But... I felt a hand on my shoulder push me away from the fire. And I was like, my brother and my dad are out there. My grandma and mom are in the kitchen. Who's pushing me away? Away from the fire? Away from the fire. Somebody was pushing me away from the fire. And I felt the hand just literally push. And and I cried because I was like, oh, you know, what's going on? And I'm six years old. So that's all I remember about it. But my mom comes running in and is like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And what had happened was the fire behind me had flared. Something had fallen in from the chimney above and pushed the fire out. And it was right where I was sitting. Would have been on fire to push through the screen. And was a big hunk of flame and charcoal brick. And they were able to push it back into the fireplace. Don't know what it was that shoved me out of the way, but that was one of my first physical experiences with something I couldn't explain. And when I told my mom, my mom's like, you know, what, what happened? What happened? And I was like, I don't know. Someone pushed me. And she didn't believe me, you know, cause of course I'm a kid and all this. And my grandmother though, Later, after everything had calmed down, my dad and my brother had come back in and my mother had told them I almost burned the house down and uh, <laughs> because I was playing with G.I. Joe's. So it's obviously my fault. But yeah. my grandmother pulled me aside and said, I'm so glad they protected you. And I never put two and two together on who they were. I'm sad I can't ask my grandmother who they were because she's been long past a number of years and I don't even at the time I didn't remember to ask her even as I grew up and we talked about other unusual things I don't think I ever went back and asked about that and this is just one of those early memories that I vague vague memory but I remember almost burning the house down supposedly but knowing it wasn't my fault but somebody pushed me out of the way to save me so wow ah I just got chills okay um who do you think it was though my grandmother said you know, it was somebody, they protected me. So I'm assuming some sort of guardian spirits of some sort, maybe ancestral. I don't know. I haven't had that experience. Okay. I, I, I like to think it was just some higher power said, nope, he's, we're saving him. We got to abduct him for alien stuff later. So <laughs> he has you a purpose. Just trying to poke the bear with a stick, aren't you? I, hey, we're getting those emails. I want to, I want to make sure I get my most out of them. Oh my goodness. X oh, is going to be so upset. Yeah. <laughs> but so who do you think it was? Do you think it was like ancestors when she's that's talking? What I, that's what I think she was just kind of described. Now that I look back on it, it was just somebody getting me out of harm's way. I can't say what it was. Uh, again, 
if, if I could go back in time, that's one of those periods I would go back to just to watch from a third party and just see what happened. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it is, that's creepy, yeah. but amazing. Could have been, could have been Sam from quantum leap, you know, pushing me out. Or something. Um, I don't think your grandma is in touch with Sam from quantum leap, but <laughs> maybe it was her favorite. That, maybe chef. just that's your opinion, Erica. That's just, oh, okay. Okay. I could be wrong. Your grandma could be a complete badass that I'm just totally unaware of, you know? She's the only Muncie that lived past 80. That is amazing. Um, I don't have necessarily a snow one, but I have one. I can go next. All right. So I had a, a, a really interesting experience when I was younger. My mom was a part of a, an organization and they had put this, it was a church and they had put it in a hospital, an old hospital, right? And there was a basement area. I would go play games after school. I'd be dropped off after school before my mom would come pick me up. So I was probably around eight or nine years old. And I, for most of my life, I've, I've told one of my stories before. My mom very much told me that I need to not tell people about things that I'm seeing because um, they were going to think I was crazy. She was very worried that they were, you know, her daughter was going to be considered crazy. And we all know here, travelers, that we don't consider anybody crazy, really, no. in this situation. So I remember there were several times, though, that I played um games with this one particular um uh, he, he seemed like a man right but he would i was playing card games and stuff like that and sitting there for literally hours hours so we would play but what was very interesting is walking back and forth like most hospitals like you can tell there's a lot of presence in most hospitals whether it's because you know people died there or whatever there just seems to be i think people die for very traumatic and un, unknown not unknown reasons but um unprepared for reasons meaning they're kind of stuck because they didn't like they're shocked they don't know what happened they just suddenly passed whether it was in a surgery or whatever happened like whatever trauma and so i feel like a lot of times you can see presences in hospitals and and in this place was no different there was a lot of things but when I was much younger, I, I didn't have really a fear the way um, I, I maybe should have had somebody sat down and kind of explained to me what was going on, but I, I wasn't afraid, but every day, um, and it wasn't every day this, this gentleman was down there. He was, a, he seemed like he was about in his mid twenties now that I'm looking back, but he'd be down there and we'd play rummy, that sort of thing the whole time. And I remember one day. I was talking to somebody who was supposed to be kind of watching the kids, right? And I was explaining um, about playing this game and he didn't know who I was talking about when I was talking about this person, right? And I think when you're younger and a kid, a lot of times you can be dismissed. So he was like, I know, I don't know who you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, whatever. So Fast forward, um, probably a couple weeks later, I'm sitting there playing what I think is a game of like rummy or something like that, gin, whatever. And the person walks in and I was usually down there a lot of times by myself or I was there with my sister. There wasn't a lot of other kids, but um, he walks in and he says, who are you talking to? There you go. I would like that to sink in for a moment. And I turned because I was about to, and I don't remember his name, but I turned and I was gesturing and there was nobody in the chair. Now, at that age, my thought was he was hiding or playing a game or something like that. And so I tried to explain again. And I think this person chalked it up to being an imaginary friend, right? So I went home and I told my mom about what had happened, right? The whole thing and how he ran away and it was so quick and blah, blah, blah. So needless to say, apparently my mom decided to talk to the person watching us because she wasn't very pleased that us kids were down there, um, not with the supervisor, but there was another, at least one grown adult there. And um, he, he wasn't, he wasn't there. And That's... I I didn't see him again, but I thought, yeah, 
So then my mom, I don't think at the time she, I think she just chalked it up because she kept asking me if I saw him again. Like she'd pick me up. Did you see him again? Did you see him again? But I think she knew on some level what had actually transpired, which leads me to um, when people talk about things that happened to them, because in my child's mind, I was playing cards with this person. Right. And I'm not saying the person was sitting across and holding up cards. I'm not like, this isn't poltergeist, but it makes me go back and go, what, what was I doing? Like, was I just once like, how did this work in the physical realm that I was playing cards with this person for literally months playing cards with this person? Like, were you just the kid like sitting in the corner by yourself, like shuffling cards? Oh, no, no one no. thought to be like, hey, Erica, was what it, are you doing? Was it I, gin rummy? Was it five card stud? Was it? <laughs> no, it was it was um gin and gin rummy, you know, like those kind of games. Because I think you're at least I was around nine or ten when I figured out how to do hearts, spades, like yeah. those kind of games. But it was something like that. And I was sitting there crazy eights. Who knows? But I probably look like I was playing solitaire and just talking to myself. Right? Right. <laughs> How's that for creepy travelers? That was creepy. But, oh, so fast forward, it turns out, I later found out the crematorium and uh, morgue was in this level. Like, this was a room adjacent (laughs) to the crematorium and the morgue in the hospital. Like, literally, the crematorium was in the next room. Nice. Like, yay, yay for me. That's not (laughs) terrifying or anything. Oh, I hate hospitals. Yeah, no, totally, totally creepy. All right, Bo, you're up. All right. So I was in, I believe I was in a freshman in college or just getting out of high school. And my parents had friends who were needed somebody to house sit and pet sit for them. And they lived somewhere in West Virginia. Like we went over a mountain to get there. I wish I could remember where exactly, but I do remember it was near... A battlefield which will become relevant soon so i go to their house i meet the family and i meet their dogs and they have like a like a golden retriever and like a little poodle terrier something um and they were like hey you can eat whatever you want you uh, could sleep in this guest room and we'll be back tomorrow i was excited because i got to stay in this fancy cabin with like the a floor to ceiling windows and like the wooden rafters so it was like gorgeous so i was chilling with the dogs it was getting dark and then i started to get nervous because with all the windows i couldn't see out but i knew things could see in and i didn't like that so i closed all the blinds and i was like okay i i'm a little nervous now this is my first time staying at a stranger's house I'm going to just watch TV as long as I can. So I was watching, I don't know, I think it was the Jersey Shore um, with these (laughs) dogs. And we watched it for an insane amount of time until it was like like midnight or so, which is a long time when you are uh, by yourself to just watch Jersey Shore. (laughs) So I decide, okay, I'm going to go to bed. I go to the guest room and I make the dogs come with me because I don't want to be alone. And the yeah, keep the dogs around. If they're fine, I'm fine. So the little dog gets in bed with me, and the big dog lays on the floor at the foot of the bed. Even though I tried really hard to get the other dog to get in the bed too, because I'm Mm -hmm. accustomed to sleeping with a whole bunch of dogs in my bed. So I had trouble falling asleep, as one would expect. I have anxiety. It's hard for me to sleep normally, Um, but I do fall asleep. And then suddenly I wake up because it's suddenly very loud. There are drums playing uh, right outside the window of the guest room. Like what kind of drums? Like uh, marching band drums. Oh. Like a snare drum, like boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And the dogs start freaking out, which showed me that I wasn't crazy. And it was not a dream and it was not in my head. So I don't understand why I did the next thing I did. 
because it's very out of character for me and i to this day i'm like why did i do that i jump out of bed in my pajamas run to the front door which is like i don't know like 10 feet down the hall open it up because i it sounds like the drums are going right past the house and if i open the door they're going to be right outside i open the door and the noise stops and then i start realizing that not only was i hearing drums i was hearing chatter like people were talking to each other while they were like walking behind the drummers and so i was like okay i don't know what that was i don't like it though so i noped out closed the door locked it go get back into bed fall asleep like no problem which also is crazy to me now then the next day the family came back and they were driving me home and i was like hey I heard drums last night. Your neighbors aren't really close enough. Do they have like a band or something? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, the drums. Don't you hear that all the time? I would expect you've heard it a bunch. Never heard the drums before. And then I, and then we passed the big sign for uh, the battlefield that I didn't notice on the way in. So now when I think about it, I'm like, was that a military group from the battlefield going by and like going to go to muster or something and to this day like it freaks me out that a whole contingent of ghosts just went by my window and i went back to sleep the end hey i love it well done at least you went back to sleep you know there are a lot of times that one can't sleep when happened it was wild i don't understand why i went back to sleep no it's like my brain just was like no mm -mm, no the drums seem to be one of the recurring things from haunted battlefields that we get a lot of reports of that there was a one of those coincidental things one time that scared the hell out of me it was i was playing an old 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 video game called gabriel knight sins of the fathers and it's this point and click adventure back in the early mm-hmm. days of Sierra voiced by Tim Curry. So, you know, you got to oh, love, love me uh, some Tim Curry and he's a writer who writes horror movies and he's being drawn into drawn into this voodoo conspiracy in new Orleans and every turn. I mean, this is old pixelated art, right? And every turn there's somebody on the corner doing the little Rada drums mm-hmm. and just, you know, it's, you think it's just to give the game atmosphere and then as you're going through and you're realizing there's this conspiracy fighting against you, it's the voodoo drums. That's how they communicate. That's how they know where you are. That's how they've been following you is they, or it's like Morse code and they're able to, to track you. It was one of those right after that big reveal in the game, spoilers for a 30 year old game, a 40 year old game. Jeez. I, uh, I, wow. I, I turned off the game. <laughs> I turned off the game and I walked outside going, Oh, that was crazy. And then I heard drums and I'm like, what? 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 And um, I lived pretty close to our high school in North St. Pete. And they were doing their marching band practice that <laughs> night. And I was <laughs> hearing their drum a thought. <laughs> and you're like, oh no, the, the voodoo witches are coming for me. That's exactly. I was like, oh no. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because I kind of wonder if the battlefield thing, and then we're going to have to go to a break, is um, that's something that universally is heard by soldiers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. the the drums, that sort of thing. And I, I wonder, because that would signify a lot of times the um, forward advance is mm. the drums, right? Because yeah. people are, we're much more sneaky now when we're going around. Before, even before the trumpets, that was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Trumpets, it's, trumpets became a thing because the drums could get confusing because the other side was using drums and you're using drums and the message got mixed. That's when they would start doing the trumpet. So, yeah. So, and everyone was doing the trumpets and then they were like, let's just be. Yeah, well, then we each unit had to have their own song so that they would know their song. You know, then their uh, report would come out. That was you. But then the problem is, is all of them kept using the same damn song. So, <laughs> yeah. Way too much. Way too much. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more of our holiday ghost stories. 
Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. Greetings, travelers. Now available on Audible and other audiobook platforms, Eerie Appalachia. Join us, won't you, as we discuss creatures like the Popelik Monster, the White Fangs, the Snallygaster, the Wampus Cat, the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp, Bunny Man Bridge, and the Ohio Grassman. All these creatures and more await you if you dare listen to Eerie Appalachia, presented by Mark Muncie, History Press, and Four Horsemen Publishing. Bo, we're back, and I just, I, it was me and Mark confabbed over the break, and now you've got the short stick, so. Yeah, yeah you get to go one more. Yeah, okay. That was great. We want to hear more. Yes. Okay, so this takes place when I went to St. Augustine with friend of the show, Valerie Willis. Oh. Hey. Uh, Ooh, shout out to Val. What up, Shout Val? out to St. Augustine. <laughs> yes. So, yes. So we went to the old jail there in St. Augustine. We were like the only people on the tour. There was like one couple and us. Um, So this was my first ghost hunting experience. Like actually with the tools and all that. There was a psychic medium there. It was an interesting experience all around because I've never like met a medium before. And she was she was really cool. I wasn't really sure if I believed in like mediums and all that, but she was right on the money several times while we were in there. So she kind of goes over like the, the history of the jail and we go inside. As we go inside, I'm like, okay, this is not what I expected. It's much brighter in there. I thought we were going to be in like total darkness and it kind of felt like, oh, we're just going to look at stuff. It's not a big deal. It's not scary. I felt very much. This is just an old building. I don't feel anything in here because I'd always assumed, you know, when you're around spirits, it would be like frightening. And it wasn't until we walked into the warden's bedroom. Whoa. As soon as we walked into his bedroom, the feeling of dread that swept over me was like, I felt faint. I felt dizzy. I felt just truly uncomfortable like like there was like a big pressure in that room and I couldn't breathe and she was like going over some stuff telling us about like the history of the wardens who had lived there and how like their families would be there with them and I'm just sitting there like please don't faint please don't faint please don't faint and I'm like okay it's Florida and it's hot this is like key bow fainting weather but I was like it doesn't feel like that it just feels gross for lack of a better word and then suddenly it just went and it was gone and i was like okay i feel better and then she goes did anyone else feel that and i'm like yeah and she's like yeah he was here did you did you feel sick and i'm like yeah and she's like yeah he was here and later we went in there with the dowsing rods and the emf and we were trying to talk to him I was not into it. I was like, I don't want to talk to him. He clearly does not like me already. His <laughs> vibes are off. I don't want any part of this. Um, and we ended up talking to a woman who I think was his wife. And she kept coming through and talking about the beach. And we're like, the beach? We're in a jail right now, ma'am. Like, this is... It's not far as, from the beach. It's not so. far from the beach. But we're like, why are you going... Why are we talking about the beach right now? It was strange how the vibes in there would change from minute to minute. Yeah. Because sometimes you would be in there and you'd be like, oh, this is nothing is happening. Nothing's happening at all. And then suddenly, like, the mood would shift without you even, like, 
recognizing it and suddenly you're like oh i feel sick i feel sick and then valerie's husband got touched and ha- that's his story to tell but oh, like yeah it was such a like wild place to be and i wish we had had more time in there um we went into solitary too and that was kind of the same feeling of being in the warden's room like i could only be in there for a minute i walked in there no one followed me in and it was very dark and i was like i'm no bye it was very much a erica nope this is over bye it felt like someone like behind you like that's the area where uh, callie won't go back and that's the area where doug stenroos uh the sheriff's ghost walk and i spent the night and that was oh. the, the lock that big giant padlock lifted and slammed and that's like 50 pounds oh, i remember i remember you telling that story that was that jail same, that Blue. same same spot and you slept in there right or tried yep. to yeah we slept there for a few hours yeah <laughs> we didn't stay the whole night it was it was uncomfortable and i was like I'd, I'd rather go elsewhere but saint augustine is amazing i have a quick ghost story from there i had an ex-girlfriend we we were staying at a place called the marin house which is a bed and breakfast there there are a lot of great bed and breakfast in saint augustine this place is beautiful very romantic a lot of fun and while we were there for the first night, some odd stuff was going on. And so she's like, I, I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay here anymore. We need to go someplace else. And a friend of mine said, hey, there's a room at the St. Francis Inn. Lily's room's open. And Lily's room is a super haunted room in the St. Francis Inn. And I think it was actually Al going back who sent me there. He said, hey, you know, if you don't want to stay there, the St. Francis Inn, Lily's room's open. So I was like, all right. So I called and so let's we'll go over to St. Francis and it's a smaller hotel. It's beautiful. It's another old place. And not two hours into the night, we hear the sink turn on next to us in bed is just as we were asleep. And I go in and all of her makeup case had been dumped in the sink and water was running on it. Lily did not like her <laughs> a lot. So for those that don't know, Lily was a, young maid who worked there and had fallen in love with the local general's boy and the local general's boy is not allowed to marry the lowly slave girl so oh we're sending her home to cuba and she was never seen again and we know she was killed somewhere in there and so she does not like other ladies and so, yeah, that, that, that relationship didn't last long. I can't imagine why. <laughs> I was going to say, did she break up with you because of this? Not because of that, but like literally like two days later. <laughs> oh, I think she just wanted a trip to St. Augustine. Like, this is the final straw, Mark. Yeah. This is it. So I have a little mini St. Augustine story as well. Yeah, That I'll throw on here. So I went with uh, my very good friend, Brandy. Shout out Brandy and Shannon Flower Bag Shop, friend of the podcast. So we went one time and we did a ghost tour. So they had this trolley ghost tour and they gave us EMFs and they stopped by the cemetery, very haunted and all this stuff. And we're there and there was a, you know, a couple other friends and stuff, but we um, were driving on this trolley and I don't remember the name of the hotel, but I mean, the whole place is full of, things right some nice some not so nice you know been to the fort and stuff which is just oppressive that's the word i'm going to use yeah the castillo is pretty scary yeah empathic at all it's impressive so i i i'll go there and i'll go to the top i won't go in the buildings anymore so that's a separate thing but we're doing this it started at the ripley's believe it or not which is kind of amazing and fun so if you ever go there's a there's a travel thing for our thing you can go to saint augustine and yeah go to ripley's believe it or not so we're on this trolley and it pulls up and it's talking about how the pirates raided and how basically under all the streets are skeletons and stuff because they you know there used to be a lot of monasteries there and they go kill everybody and we can do more episodes on that but there's this hotel that's probably three stories up and as we're passing it i see a person in the window it's a girl in the window and you know they have us doing emfs everybody's poking their heads we had ours turned off because i'm like we've got this we don't need these detectors (laughs) to tell us what's happening and 
Brandy reaches over and puts her arm, hand on my arm. And I'm like, yep. And then the people we were with were like, what, what's happening? What do you see? And one of the things I, I don't try to do when I do see the presences, cause I'm, I'm not a fan of getting something to follow me home and stuff is I don't right. go right there. Look at that, <laughs> you know, because you know, you never know when something might decide that it wants to talk to you more and that you can see it because sometimes they're there. And I don't think can realize that you're able to perceive that they're there until it's till you're looking at it. It goes oh, new best friend. Yeah, new best <laughs> friend. Can I come with you? With you? Um, so <laughs> we're doing that and they're like, what's happening? And so we're trying to like this top floor window and they're like, there's nothing there. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Let's just keep going. Shall we? And the other part was we got to the cemetery and there's um, a couple of very well-known ghosts and Mark can talk about all. Oh yeah, we could do it. We'll do a St. Augustine multi-part episodes at some point. Yes. But we're sitting there and there's this little boy sitting in the tree. I saw him. I don't like that. That's a, that's a Tolomato cemetery. He's the sheriff who I mentioned, you know, is Doug Stenroos. He does the sheriff's ghost walk. He still does it. He was one of the first guys doing these ghost tours. He's got on his website, there are some pictures of the little boy that are incredible. And, wow, I just and, got I, chills because yeah. I didn't even know that. I didn't he know. He looks like a freaking one of the newsies. Yes, you know, that's thing. exactly what he looked like. Oh. He in a tree. He fell out of the tree and died, but he's still there. He's a he's definitely a stone tape of some sort. But oh, I had no idea. Whoa, We'll put the link. We'll put the link in the. It's been like corroborated too, because Erica did not know that. So I did not know that, but we saw him, and we were like, "Oh!" And everybody's trying to get the scan. They're looking for this woman who appears there. We'll explain all that later. So we both saw him. We both do the gesture, and then I'm like, "Let's not look up again," because I don't want to be home, right? So that's my whole theory on that delightful, fun thing. So those are all our St. Augustine stories, but I have a a Christmas ghost story. And then Mark, I know you have one. So I I will tell mine. So again, younger, I have to be maybe five years old and my mom and dad had divorced. So, um, my mom, we were living in a one bedroom apartment in, um, LA. It was off of sunset in Sheremoya and, my mom had put up a Christmas tree. Uh, it was a real Christmas tree. She'd hung all these ornaments. We'd done this all together. It was Christmas time. There are lights and stuff. And so I don't know how many days later this was. I was five. I don't remember everything. And I hear in the middle of the night, like smashing sounds, like smashing. And mm-hmm. I wake up, my mom wakes up. Cause it, I feel like somebody's breaking into our apartment. That's what I thought these noises were, right? We walk into the living room and the tree was like, when you walked in the front door, the tree was right there. And then there was the entire living room and dining nook, right? Wasn't huge. It was probably maybe 15, 17 feet across, like not huge. Like it's a little one bedroom apartment in LA. The tree has been completely knocked over. Not fall over, like knocked and dragged against the wall where the dining table was. And I say dining table, it was like a little formica table with four plastic chairs kind of thing. The Christmas, the the glass balls are shattered as if they had been thrown against the wall. Wow. There's nobody in the house. All the windows are closed. All the doors are locked. It was dark. The... Christmas lights are still on the tree, you know, lit up. This thing is pulled. So she puts the tree back up, right? Goes through because now water's all over the floor. It smashed the stuff that was under, like it is trashed. She puts it all together. Next night, wake up, smash, smash. So that was the um, year we no longer had a Christmas tree. Thank you to whatever maybe came with the tree. I'm not sure. But I remember growing up past that point, I was freaked out for the longest time about putting up a tree because I was afraid whatever this was, was going to destroy the Christmas tree. So this was the ghost of Christmas. Ah! 
so <laughs> did you put up a tree after that or no like- we did but it you know, my mom insisted every year i just kept anticipating that the world was going to end and you know that we would um end up having these it wasn't world ending but to a little kid watching a christmas tree and keep in mind i've i've had i have many other stories about weird stuff happening right oh yeah doors closing water turning on all that kind of stuff but i didn't remember that there was something in this particular apartment like that i don't remember that as a child that's not a vivid thing so whatever it was was attached to some part of this because it never happened again but I, I think it happened, may, I think one more time, maybe two more times, because my mom was stubborn AF, right? <laughs> She's like, this, so she cr- was, this tree is staying up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we are having this Christmas, but whatever this was, was like, no, you're not having this Christmas. That was the only year we were in that apartment, too. So who knows if it was something stuck to that particular holiday or whatever. But she said the, the she thought the tree was throwing its ornaments off. I think that's scarier. A sentient tree is much scarier than a ghost push, pushing a tree over. I I agree. I I who knows? Maybe it was a spiritual tree. I don't I don't even know. I don't know. It was. All I can expect it is to say we have decided that you are not orcs. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind that kind of sentient tree, yeah. but yeah, no, that was it was definitely um, uh, yeah. So wow. you know. When your Christmas tree throws your stuff around, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. (laughs) It's all good. Well, my next story is not a personal story, but it is one that is personal to me because when I was first researching North Tampa for Erie, Florida, I was looking into the Withlacoochee State Forest and looking for the Hog Island Witch stories. And we were trying to get a little more information on that. And while we were working on that, I stumbled on this story. Now, I realized very quickly that this story is very similar to a folk song that I had heard. So I'm wondering which came first kind of thing, because this story comes from a town that's no longer there. Oh, the story comes from a place called Pemberton Ferry, F-E-R-R-Y, because there was a ferry that crossed the Withlacoochee River. And it's now part of the Withlacoochee Wildlife Management Area or the or the Withlacoochee State Forest. And there's a sub area in that forest that this story comes from. So what it was, was a young man in 1886 had been born in Pemberton Ferry, right? When the town was being built, they had the train come through. There was a phosphate mine. There was... You know, a turpentine still and a sawmill. So it was a pretty big town at the time. And they were, it was, there is very popular at the time living north of Tampa Bay. You could live here, kind of still live out in the woods, have your own little farm, your little settlement. And this boy grew up in this town. Now, so it's post war, post Civil War, and all that. But World War One comes along and the young man decides he's going to do his part and he goes overseas. His family is from France. So he feels like he has to do this as his family sends him over there basically before the U S even enters the war, he's going to come over and, and do this. Now, the sad thing is, is when he's going, he has to leave his little dog behind and his little dog junior. He has to say goodbye to, And he says, I'll be back. And he goes off to war. And he fights in World War II or World War I for a long time. And then doesn't come back till almost 1929 or or 1930. 1930. Sorry, he doesn't make it back. So he's there for a long, long time. Now, the train no longer goes to Pemberton Ferry because Pemberton Ferry is becoming a ghost town. The train has moved down to Tampa. It no longer needs to stop there. The phosphate mine is dried. Turpentine's not as big as it needed. Sugar mill wasn't very important. And he gets off the train in what is now called Croom. 
C-R-O-O-M. And uh, he gets off the train and it's late at night. And he's wondering if any of his family have been getting his letters because no one's there to greet him. And then there's his dog, Junior. Junior's there. He's a little bit older and he's so happy to see his dog. And he's like, well, Junior, show me the way home because I don't know the way home from here. You obviously know the way. So the dog leads him along and they see where the railroad bridge was washed out in a flood. And that would have been where he would have walked. But there's this little trail that Junior takes him down. And he goes by and he sees the old turpentine mill all closed up. He sees the sugar mill where it had burned and sees the ruins of that. And he keeps following this little single track trail that Junior keeps taking him through all these little turns and twists, knows exactly where to go. And he goes by one area, which is almost like a drop off, which is now the area of Hog Island. And he would have totally missed that. Definitely would have fallen into a swamp or something there. But the dog saved his life. And then when he gets, he sees the little light of the farmhouse from his mother's farm. And he runs up and he's like, you, you brought me, Junior, and Junior's nowhere to be found. And he runs up and he's like, Mom, Mom, I'm, I'm home. And she's so happy to see her son. He's been gone for decades and he's all grown up. And he's like, I'm so glad that, you know, I didn't know about the washed out this. I didn't know about any of that. And they're like, well, we haven't gotten any of your letters because the post office closed in 1930 we don't get letters here anymore. So I didn't know you'd written us letters. We thought you were going to stay over there. We never thought you were ever coming home. And he's like, well, I wouldn't have made it if, you know, Junior hadn't guided me in. And she's like, son, Junior, I, I, when you left, it broke his heart. Junior died five years after you left. It was never the same. He never left your room. We barely were able to keep him alive. So... It's a, it's a story of a ghost town that is now there in the Withlacoochee State Forest. You can go find the ruins of Pemberton Ferry, which is now in the Kroom Wildlife Management Area. And you can still find that old railroad bridge that's destroyed. You can find some family cemeteries and you can find the old phosphate mine. But one of the things you can find there in one of the family cemeteries is a young grave and it just says junior and it's got oh, a little of a dog on that tombstone why'd you have to tell a sad story well the part i forgot i was focusing on the ghost story is that this was at christmas he came home and the oh. dog brought him home for christmas so oh. and well, now it's what even is, sadder, what is this Mark? song the song is there was a song later on that was called old tide uh, T-Y-G-E. And, well, you gotta um, put the link to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a Spotify link to it. And it's basically the same story about a guy coming home and his ghost dog leads him home, but he doesn't know it's a ghost. Spoilers. Uh, yeah, but um, I'll, I will definitely put the link to that. But what's funny about that is that story was in an old newspaper from Brooksville area, which is now the area. You try to go to Brooksville say, where's Croom? Oh, you mean Croom Wildlife? Where's Pemberton Ferry? What are you talking about? They're ghost towns in the middle of the swamp. So wow. uh, you can go visit the ruins. I would highly recommend teaming up with somebody like Florida Trailblazer or somebody like that who knows their way because it is a dangerous hike. So, or yeah, a ghost yeah. dog if you can find one of those. Or get a ghost dog. Or reach out to our wonderful friends at Outcast Paranormal and they tend to hunt that area for Bigfoot. Okay. And skunk ape, yeah, skunk ape. So, Florida skunk ape in Florida. That's how that yep. works. Yep, yep, yep. And there's an, actually another ghost town near there called Oriole, which is just south of Croom. It's also in the same forest, so it, you can get the two mixed up. But that tombstone is supposed to be there. So I haven't seen it personally, but people have told me it is there. Well, travelers, if you've got a picture of this tombstone, please send it to us. We would love to see it. Yep. And if you have any ghost stories, we've again. Still just scratching the surface of our ghost stories, but we're happy to be able to share some more with you. And we would love to hear your ghost stories. So please make sure you can send them to us on the socials. You can go to the website and send it to us, or you can email info at eerietravels.com. 
and send us your stories because we would absolutely love to hear them. And don't worry, we're not going to forget. We will in the future have more of our ghost stories, but you got to space them out a little bit. This was your haunted holiday. So figure we our present a haunted Christmas tree. Yeah, this is our present to you because we do love the Victorian tradition of gathering around and telling spooky stories by the fire. That's how they spent their Christmas. And in fact, the BBC still runs ghost stories for Christmas every Christmas. Uh, as one of their fun things to watch. So so we've got some trip ideas for this gang. We've got St. Augustine. I highly recommend the Sheriff's Ghost uh, Tour. He's still doing it. You know, go stay at the St. Francis Inn. Go visit the old jail. Oh my gosh. Visit Huguenot Cemetery and Tolomato Cemetery. We've got, my goodness, all these wonderful places to visit and do all these things. It's like we gave them some eerie travels this episode, gang. It's- Ooh. Yeah, look at us getting back to the whole actually traveling places thing. Yeah, back on form again. That's that's great. So let us know if you enjoyed that, gang. We'll give you more. And as always, like, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And you'll invite your friends to listen to some good ghost stories and share the word and you know, spread spread the holiday cheer. And whatever you forget to go to Paranormality Magazine and vote for us for your favorite paranormal podcast. Yeah, this month's issue, our good friend of the show, Connor Flynn, is on the cover. And he didn't even know, which is great. And if you want that magazine, use the code TRAVELS, get 10% off, and let them know we sent you. But whatever you're celebrating this holiday, you know, gather together, tell some wonderful tales, pull up some mulled wine, sit by that Yule log. Don't worry, Krampus knocked his past. You might have the last of the Yule lads visiting, so be careful. And as always, when you hear that knock at the window or that strange sound in the other room or maybe something on the rooftops, might not be St. Nick, might just be your own spirit. So thank you all for joining us and we'll see you on the other side. 